thank you. We were trying to get ourselves organized the technology, and uh, I'm extremely delighted to see all of you come for this session so that uh, we can learn together and walk this journey together. Uh, I think after lunch and after the long morning, people are a little bit sluggish in getting started and getting <laughs> going. And uh, we would want to cherish a little more fellowship in terms of uh, getting to know one another and, uh, and, and sharing through. So even as we are sorting ourselves, you will know that you are settling down. But we shall get started. If there are any others that are joining us, we shall get uh, moving on uh, that area. Yeah, yeah, so our, our presentation uh, comes on the line of, uh, I just got the next slide, next slide, yeah. Uh, serving God uh, through, uh, through the practice of medicine. And I guess the core of this conference, or the core of all of us being here, is one, asking ourselves one question, which way can I be available to serve God? You may be in a medical practice as a clinician, you may be an administrator, you may be a student, uh, you may be in a pharmaceutical industry, but you are asking yourself, which way can I use my talent or my gift in serving God? And then, of course, the identification in which areas do we serve God, and I guess that's why we are here. Uh, that has been introduced, so we move on in terms of uh, my earlier involvement, in terms of uh, the regional work as a medical student and also as a doctor. Uh, next. Now, when we come to this subject, and I was very, very happy that the very first person who entered this room was a student. I think where we start in terms of thinking about medical missions is at the level of the student. And this is a very important line even before we go to practice. There must be a, uh, there must be a student, whichever area you are, so as to deliver issues of health or to answer the call of God to go to the area of mission. In the preparation in terms of uh, the subject, I was asking myself, who are the people that are going to be with us in this session? And as I say, I'm trying to define, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there may be somebody who is preparing themselves into the area of practice. There may be somebody who is already in practice. That's why I asked that question, uh, who are we who are here? Then in terms of the preparation, because you need to be prepared. If you are going to serve, you certainly need to prepare. And you cannot serve unless you have prepared. I want to look at the journey of uh, the medical training or the pharmaceutical training or the laboratory training or financial training so that you can administer some work in the hospital, in the mission hospitals and others. This study journey is usually very, very long and almost tedious. If I would raise a hand and ask, is there a third year student here or a fourth year or a fifth year? It's usually an extremely long journey. 
Uh, if you may allow me the joke, assuming that we are in a medical field, the joke we used to have that <laughs> from the anatomy to the therapeutics, because you learn the anatomy in the first year and you learn the therapeutics in the fifth year, how to treat in the fifth year. And uh, we could be sometimes even a little note and say from uh, the muscles that we used to learn, the muscles of the leg and the muscles from the gluteus maximus to prescribing penicillin or something like that. It's a long, long journey. And this journey is the journey that the Lord himself could use in preparing you to think about mission. That journey from the gluteus maximus to the prescription of penicillin or aspirin, for you to come from that edge to the other edge is an extremely long journey. And some people within this journey, they give up. And some, if they miss to get somebody to encourage them, they also give up. You may have examples of some of your colleagues after first year or second year. They said, Why, what did I bring myself into? I want to go and do commerce, or I want to go and do piloting, or I want to go and do something else. And a few have exited. I'm trying to look at this journey of the medical student, that it's a very long journey, and it's a journey that requires patience, and it's a journey that requires uh, assistance, and uh, a journey that requires some to be encouraged on that journey. I want to refer you to an encouragement that some of us did receive from a very senior professor of medicine. His name was Professor McClarty. He came from the University of Dar es Salaam many, many years when we were in, a, in, in medical school. And one key word that I still remember that Professor McClarty gave us that helped us in the struggle of the journey of medicine was from the book of Philippians. And he said, you are preparing to be a co-laborer with the Lord. You are preparing your journey to be a co-laborer with the Lord. That the Lord has found it right to appoint you amongst many to prepare as one who can be able to be used of him. So whatever stage of life you are in, whether you are in school or whether you have finished, the Lord has found it right in his own mathematics, by his own grace, to choose you to be a co-laborer. Isn't that an exciting word? Because when you're about to give up, when you've gotten 29% in pharmacology, and then in uh, immunology, you had uh, 42%, and you are about to give up. And I can see those are likely to be familiar stories to a few people that are smiling. My brothers and sisters, please don't give up. I want to remind you today, if we get anything else, and I had mentioned to one of um, our, 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 our attendees, even if she was the only one who was here, I would still feel I would present this with the same vigor because if I would rescue somebody from giving up by you understanding that the Lord, by his own grace, has chosen you as a co-laborer for the kingdom. And so there was an open door for you to study. So we, we, we cherished a lot. This was in a talk that he gave us when we were in medical school. And the call was, 
medicine. Is it a call or coincidence? I don't know whether the lights are too much because of the, the seeing. We were trying to struggle with that. Maybe the lights uh, we could see so that we can be able to see well. Uh, the technicians, I think they, they went off. But all the same, the, 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 the theme of the talk was medicine. Is it a call or a coincidence? Did you find yourself there by coincidence because uh, there was nothing else to do? Or your parents pushed you into this? Or your teachers pushed you into this? How did you find yourself into that area where you are to study medicine? And in the course of uh, that uh, situation, that's when he raised that issue, that as a medical person, the Lord has found it right for you to be a co-laborer for the kingdom. As he comes, I think we shall go on. In the continuation of that, of that preparation, you certainly need commitment and adequate preparation. There is no way that you're going to be a co-laborer if you have not prepared well. And if you have not committed yourself to good preparation, there must also be determination. You must be one who is totally determined, totally determined such that the 42% that you got in immunology will not discourage you and will not tell you that now I want to quit. There must be that commitment and determination. There must be perseverance of the long, long hours, the long hours of study in that preparation. I'm looking at you starting this journey of looking at this area of the missions. You cannot enter into the mission if you are not prepared. And we cannot prepare in a slothful way. We must prepare in an extremely determined way, and sometimes it will cost you the long hours of the preparation. Next. Next okay. Just go on. Yeah. Now, and as we do that preparation, it must be a wholesome type of preparation. You remember when we come to the clinical years, when we are doing our preparation, you are told you must listen to the problem of the patient. What did we call that? The history taking. You, you must learn to listen. It's a part of the preparation. Of course, I know you would have gone through a lot of other issues in medicine, a lot of uh, necrosis and a lot of uh, other things, gastritis and so forth, all those words that you have to learn in the long hours. I'm already jumping that you've already gone through that journey and now you are learning the interaction with the person you are going to serve. So you must learn to listen. And you must also learn as you listen, you must learn to touch the lives of individuals. You do remember the simple things of the palpation. Sometimes it's possible that because of the people you are serving who are sick and they are untouchable, you feel as if you don't want to touch them, but you cannot go to the mission field if you're not willing to touch. First of all, you listen to their problem and you get their history, you get where they are unwell, and then the next thing you are determined to touch. 
and as you touch, you participate with this person in the process of their illness. And you must also learn to listen again. You are going to use your tools. You know the usual tool that we have called a stethoscope? That you must learn how to use that gadget to listen further. You listen to the person, but you also want to use the tools that are around you to help you to listen further so that you can come out with a diagnosis. Why is this person here? And that is the most important thing that I found in terms of the preparation, we must be able to come as near as possible to the diagnosis if you are going to help somebody. And then as you do the listening, as you do the touching, there will be one or two things that you'll also do. What are them? You are going to do some tests, maybe the blood tests. You are going to do some radiology tests. You must also learn the skill of interpretation of those lab tests and those radiology tests. You must learn how to interpret uh, an X-ray. You must learn how to interpret an HB of five, a hemoglobin of five, what does it tell you? And what action do I take? In that journey of the preparation, whether you're in first year, in second year, or whether you have finished and you're already working, you go through this journey of preparation and gradually you keep on going in terms of that. But the interpretation is very, very important in that. Next. Now, when we are doing that, is there any lesson that we can learn? When you are preparing, is there any lesson that we can learn? And what I would say in terms of a lesson that we can learn, we need to learn a lesson from no other than from the great physician. And the great physician that we learn from is the person that I'd want to hear about. I think there may have been a, mis uh, a mispresentation of Luke and Mark. Uh, we were trying to struggle looking through that. I would want us to have a look at what the great physician encountered in terms of one sick person. You're going to encounter many, many sick people. And the Lord is calling you to prepare yourself to be able to answer their need. And if you are called to be a co-laborer with a master, with a great physician, you can only learn from his example. Uh, I will ask uh, Dr. Kamaro if, if somebody can give her the mic. She can read for us a small portion that will help us in uh, that understanding. Dr. Kamaro will read us for us. It's the same portion, Luke and, uh, Luke and Mark. Uh, just read for us if it's working. I'm reading from the book of Luke, chapter 8, from verse 42 to 48, from the NIV version. And I read, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. 
Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And that's the word of the Lord. Thank you. Now, I will kindly ask you, when you go home, in the course of the coming weekend and coming week, read and read and read that portion. As a medical worker or as somebody that is willing to go into the mission, we can learn a lot of things from the great physician. Let us just disaffirm a few of those things. One, we had an unwell person. This is a lady who was unwell. And this lady who was unwell, this was an illness which we call a chronic illness. It was an illness of a long duration, 12 years of suffering as a lady. And especially suffering in a very sensitive area as a lady in the area of bleeding. So you can imagine the suffering itself and the interpretation of this suffering among those around her. So a chronic illness for a long, long duration. This great suffering brought a lot of agony to this lady. You can imagine 12 years. Sometimes you get a cut or you get knocked on your toe. And you can imagine somebody calling you and say, oh, I am in the house because my leg is paining. And within a week, you're back to work. But you are still agonizing with pain. But imagine 12 years of suffering. Then to, she had gone to very many places. She had seen very many doctors to sort out her, her problem. And with a number of us suffering, and you remember the message we had yesterday from Pastor Moreu, that possibly suffering in given communities is interpreted in different ways. So you can seek help here, you seek help there, and you move from one place to the other because you are looking for an answer. But the, the more she went seeking for help, the worse her problem became. And she was in great pain. She was in great agony. And this was a costly affair, that this lady went out, and in some versions you'll hear, she saw many doctors at a great expense. And that is a common story for many people with chronic illness. Imagine an illness of cancer. Let me just use something like that. Or, uh, or a kidney failure. Something that, or diabetes. You go from one doctor to the other, to the other. You are sent from this lab to the other, looking for help. That is where this, our dear lady was before she encountered. Next. Now, but when she was in the process of looking and went to all these doctors in the whole of this town of Nairobi, in the whole, she comes from Mombasa. He hears there is somebody. She goes to Nyeri. He hears there is somebody who can heal this illness. She goes to Kisumu. And possibly even finally, she might even end up in a place called Loliondo. For those maybe who are Kenyans will understand that, uh, that synonym or uh, that word I've brought about. That she's really struggling and she's wondering, where can I get help? And then in the process of that, she hears of one with a message of hope. We have no idea who gave her about the story of Jesus. But because of her suffering, maybe she was very inquisitive. 
and when she meets a relative and says, Hishindayangu, whom do you think can be of use to my problem? And then due to her situation, her situation which was of bleeding, and she was a lady, within the culture, you don't imagine that she would work very majestically looking for help and say that is a person who has a message of hope and greet the hand of Jesus and say, Jesus, I've come because I want you to heal me. No. She was in a lot of fear and she was in a lot of agony. And even the culture itself did not allow a lady's eye to be face-to-face -face contact with a man. And even because of now her bleeding, you know she was an outcast within her society because of the illness. So she just made one plot or one idea. What do I do? And she just thought, if I could just approach this person, this teacher with a message of hope, if I could only approach from behind. I don't even need him to see me. What do I need? I just need to touch just a small part of his garment. What is driving her? What is driving her is her faith and her hope. It is not necessarily the conclusion of writing the penicillin or writing that medication or that x-ray or that CT scan. It is the action of faith and hope. That's the one she was exercising. If I could only touch this person. And then when she was in a position to touch the Lord, and she just touched the garment. What happened? With that touch, she was suddenly freed from her suffering of 12 years. And you can imagine that dynamic small touch, but it was a touch that was electrical. It was a touch that had ignition because even the person who was touched realize that there is somebody who has touched my coat somewhere at a corner because the faith of the Lord and the faith of this lady interacted. For you to be a co-worker with the Lord, for you to be able to be effective in the mission, for you to be effective in your day-to-day -day work, there must be a union of your faith, of your hope with your master, with this teacher. And that's what happened at this situation. Next. Now, once you have prepared, I mentioned about the preparation, I mentioned about a lesson that you need to learn. What is the lesson? That it is only when your faith and your hope links up with the faith and the hope of the Lord that you can be able to bring your patient on the table for operation on the diagnostic uh, couch for, for, for diagnosis, and with that faith and hope coming together, then you can be reassured the Lord is going to do something. I go back to your preparation before I come to your practice. In this preparation, once you are prepared and now you are through, maybe in the fifth year, you've done your internship, or you have even gone out and uh, you are a medical officer or you are going on with your work, you need to make some decisions. And some of the key decisions you make is that, what options do I have? Do I go on with my education or do I go to the mission field? And when you make that decision, 
Do I go to the clinical discipline? Do I go to be a surgeon, as somebody who can operate? Do I go to be a pediatrician? There are many, many decisions that you have to make. And those decisions you make and they come right when you make them on your knees. When your faith and your hope has been linked up with the Lord, then you can say, I am making a decision of the option I'll follow in the area of service. Am I going to be in administration? We have hospital administrators, very important people that, that help the patients to be served because of good management. Am I going to go to the community? Am I going to go to the village and work at the community level? All those are decisions. Or am I going to go to the research? In any of this area, as long as you are guided by faith and hope, as long as your spirit is linked up with the spirit of the master, with that example of that lady that had gone round because of helplessness, but when her finger was, was ignited, what was, was touched Jesus' garment, their faith was linked up together. Action came. So with all this option, the Lord himself is able to give you a guidance in terms of the direction that you take. Now, let's look at the practice. Now you're prepared from the gluteus maximus to the therapeutics. Maybe now you are ready to go and be able to execute a little bit of your practice. I wish I had asked when we came in our introduction and get to know uh, where we are or what we are doing. It possibly would have been a little bit easier for me, but let's move on. Now, you now are in the practice, and you hear that this lady had visited many doctors. When the, your patient visits you, does that patient feel that they have finally reached where the answer to their illness will be given? Does that patient feel exploited? Does that patient feel thrown off? Does that patient go home with hope? When you are, when you are conducting and running a very busy clinic, maybe 50 patients, and definitely you are tired. As a patient come to your desk and you're interacting together, as one who has a desire to learn from the master, what is the conclusion of that patient when they come to you? Does that patient feel that they have reached and they have been listened to, they have been touched, and their need has been addressed. We need to develop an art, not the science now. You keep the science apart. You need to develop an art of being extremely patient with the patient. Because sometimes this one with a chronic illness will be on your queue many, many times. And it's possible you can say, I'm a kujatena. That person has come again. And then next week, Amekuja Tena. Maybe this person has epilepsy or something that, but because of your attitude, you'll be saying, Amekuja Tena. Why did that person come again? That person came again because their need was not addressed. Or 
they have a chronic situation that that lady. Imagine how many, let me use a medical word. Uh, bear with me if you're not the medical side, but he, she had attended many hematology clinics. And she was referred from one to the other, from oncology clinic to the gynecology clinic. You can be toast. And it is possible with this person with chronic illness, you start asking, this person has come again. And it's like, I wish I could do away with this person. It is four o'clock and uh, I need to be going. What is your attitude? Now, coming to the art rather than science, we must develop an art of being extremely patient. Then we must also develop an art of compassion. This person is suffering. This person is in pain. If we do not have compassion, you can never start thinking about missions. If you cannot feel the pain of that person, you can never start thinking about missions. If you cannot have learned that you are a co-laborer with the Lord, you cannot be able to think about missions. You cannot answer the call of the Lord. You must also learn the art of encouragement. You must learn to be patient, you must learn to be compassionate, and you must learn to encourage. Now, as you do that, you'll also encounter situations which are very overwhelming, huge crowds of people that would need help. What other thing do you need to, to learn? You also need to learn that you cannot do it alone. You need to enter into what we call the advocacy. You need to advocate for good health of that crowd. You remember the crowd that was following Jesus? Although Jesus touched one person, but there was a huge crowd that was following him. Now, that's why I brought the word, when you are making the choices, whether in the clinical, in the research, or in the community, there are a lot of issues in the community. Let's say like clean water. That could be an answer to an outbreak of typhoid or dysentery. We must learn as a disciple of the Lord. If we are going to be co-workers with the Lord, we must learn the art of advocacy, good care. The other thing that we learned from this lady was what? It was very, very costly to go through the treatment. What do you know about the, the treatment in, uh, in our country, like in our country, Kenya, or maybe within the South Africa region? It's an extremely expensive affair that to go through one situation of having a pneumonia treated or diabetes treated or a lady who is expectant going to deliver with a cesarean section or the normal delivery, the cost issues are very high. And many people are unable to reach the service. So for those of us that the Lord will call with a voice in whichever area, whether it is in administration, or whether it's in the clinical area or in the research, we must consider advocacy in terms of looking at the good care, at the area of cost issues which are there, and also the area of follow-up. Sometime maybe as a Christian, I know you could be divided in terms of your attention. When you think of people that go to, to, to bring about what you call the union issues, the union, what does the union do? It advocates for the good care of the patients. Let's say like the doctor's union when they were saying, we are not able to work in this environment because the, doctor, the patients don't have 
IV fluids. They don't have the fluid, even if they came in this. I don't have a simple injection. I don't have gloves. That is why I bring the word advocacy. We are called upon, sometime at our cost, to get involved with advocacy of good care and looking at the, at, at, at the, at the cost. Then we must have compassion again and again that our, our being able to look at the advocacy issue is because we are feeling with the suffering of these people. And I ask the same question, why will the patient come again and why will that patient recommend another patient to come to that institution or to come to that caregiver? The only reason, many times, there was compassion, there was gentleness, and they were well received. And I know you people, even in our country, you have names of hospitals and institutions, you have names of doctors who possibly may have been labeled as compassionate, or institutions where you can recommend somebody. Where will that be? For those of us who will be called of the Lord to go and do the work of mission, we must of necessity be able to be people of compassion so that we can get that recommendation out of the way that we received the, the patient. What is the difference between this practice and the next practice? You went to the same medical school, you learned the same anatomy and the same pharmacology, you learned the same pathology and the same immunology. What is the difference between this practice and that practice? What's the difference between you as a person called of the Lord and desirous to serve and to do the work of the Lord? The key word is compassion. I keep on on this. Upon the diagnosis of that issue, what did the Lord do? What did the great physician do? When Jesus was told, because he asked, who touched me? And the disciples were, were asked him, Master, there are so many people who are milling around here. They are sort of joking with him, but he knew somebody who had a need, had touched. Within the midst of the crowd, Jesus focused on the individual. So Jesus focused on a person who had a need. The great physician that we can learn from focused on that person. Upon that diagnosis and the appropriate action that was taken, it was taken compassionately. What did Jesus tell this lady after the dialogue? Who are you? Who touched me? And the lady came trembling and said, oh, I've been caught. Oh, I'm a, I, I, I'm a sinful woman. I'm a woman who has touched a man. You know, she is trembling. She doesn't know even the judgment of the disciples or maybe the bouncers around Jesus. This, uh, the, the, this woman does not know their judgment. Why did he come and touch our Lord? You know, she's fearing. But what were the words of the Lord to this lady who had suffered? Daughter, daughter, I have seen your suffering. Go in peace, you are freed. What a joy. When the patient comes to you, when the patient in that great pain, who has gone from one practice to the other, when they come to your place, when they come to your institution, what do they experience? Do they experience, we have noted your suffering, 
we have done this x-ray and you have a fracture of the tibia. And we are going to fix this fracture in theater tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. And in three days, you will go home with crutches. Come after six weeks and see us. This patient has pain. This patient has a fracture, not able to walk. When that patient is walking out of the hospital, if this patient sees the good chronology of events, that patient will start getting healed and will start getting better, especially after they come from theater and the relatives have visited. They say, oh, my leg was fixed. There is still a fracture which is going to heal. But a journey has been started. There was an act of compassion. I am mainly trying to address the way we handle patients and sometimes we tell them, you will be fixed for theater tomorrow. And that patient does not enter theater until three weeks from that particular moment. And you know of those situations, those who have worked in the hospitals, especially a public hospitals or other hospitals. Or even if it's not a public hospital, any institution can defer helping this patient because of other motives. But if this person who came in a need saw the chronology of event, by the time they are going, they'll say, after six weeks, I'll be coming to the clinic, I'm feeling much better. So what did Jesus do? Daughter, your pain and suffering has been noted by me. Go in peace and you have been freed. The patient needs to feel that they have been freed from the suffering because you had compassion, you understood their situation, you came up with a diagnosis and also came up with a protocol of care. I would wish to just share maybe a few examples. Um, I was feeling a little bit disturbed because of the lights, but let's bear with it. They are not as clear, but just look at that lady. That's a lady who has a young uh, baby. The baby is about 10 weeks. But since the day one when the baby was born, that baby that mother, not the baby, that mother had not slept a wink. Why? Because the baby was going through a certain episode of her, of the illness of the baby. The baby is a boy. And this expression in that episode was making the mother feel the baby has passed away. The baby was actually vomiting. And then when the baby vomits after breastfeeding, aspirates the, the, the product. So blocks the airway, gets blue, and gets sort of tantrums and goes on and off, and the mother would shake the child, put the baby upside down, and the baby gets well and yells. But, so the, baby, the mother feared and said, if I wink and my baby does this, and I don't know when it's going to be done, so the mother was like a zombie, walking like a zombie because she had not slept. And she had moved from one place to the other. She had actually moved to 28 institutions looking for help. Luckily enough, by the grace of God, we encountered this lady. 
I do not want to take credit. I want to give credit to the institution and a number of people that came and arrived at a diagnosis. And when the diagnosis was arrived at, a quick action within 48 hours was taken. And by 72 hours, the mother started to sleep because the baby was not doing that. I just wanted to say, you come in this great suffering and you come in this great search. It will require to be, that's why I was talking about good preparation as a student. It was not just a chronology of event, good long hours of preparation and being able to mobilize the team and then you, then you move on. Get, get the next one. I think you'll just go through that one. That is one with a, a very, very severe problem that also took a long time to be identified. That was TB, uh, a child that has been treated for malaria, for typhoid, for many, many things for a long, long time. And possibly we felt the institutions that were very big institutions that this child was going through, not much attention had been given. No criticism, but I want to say fever, a little cough, sore throat, and then amoxil and something. Then you go home. The mother had visited over 10 times uh, by the time they came. Uh, go on. Next one. Uh, that, 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 is, that, that, that baby, the, the, one, the one that had TB. Next. Uh, go on. Still uh, go on. Uh, now, that was a part of a community outreach that even as we do our clinical work, we would possibly be able to participate with clinical outreach. That was in a coffee estate where people would not get sufficient help, but this particular time, this is a child who had failed to drive, to grow, and we were able to intervene and get this child going. Next. Now, I also want to go through a little testimony that one can always find themselves in. At a given stage of my journey of life, even as a medical doctor, I found myself in a need of care from doctors. And when you're in that situation, I possibly have a greater passion now because of the prayer that I prayed when I was in that situation. Now, this was a chronic situation that gave me great pain and great suffering. And this chronicity, that chronicity was so much that I could not be able to go on with the practice in a way that I had always done and enjoyed. And I did learn the suffering, the agony that one goes through in a desire to be able to work. But pain limits your, 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 your movement or your work. I mean, to cut it short, this was uh, a road traffic accident and uh, an injury that was a minor injury but was very sensitive because it was getting worse by the day. And of course, you try to look for help. And as you look for help, I struggled that, like that woman who was bleeding, moving from one place to the other, and suddenly you don't find help. Uh, then those things have, you search for help, home and abroad. Uh, it has economic issues, but the Lord in his own time, he started a gradual touch through a foreign doctor. Incidentally, this was an Indian doctor, an Indian surgeon. And what was required was to be able to listen, to be able to do uh, uh, a few investigations, and in a few days says, I think we have the answer to your need after that much struggle, but it has all that chronology that I could share. Then the rehabilitation, of course, continues gradually 
with the support of the family and the support of compassionate physician. And out of that, what I wanted to share is that we get sensitive to the suffering of other people. It is within the process of suffering that you may go through. I wanted to bring that as an example and as a testimony. It is within the process of what you have watched, either with your brother, with your parent, with your child, with your uncle, within that process that you start yearning. We wish we had more people who are called of the Lord to be able to answer to the mission of care for those who are in need. And especially so this particular time, we do have what we call like the senior citizens of our country. Somebody was quite senior and now is suffering, maybe because of a stroke or because of a situation. That person needs compassion, needs visitation, needs encouragement because their suffering is not only the pain, but also the discouragement and the inability to be able to move on. Next. Now, what lesson would we learn as somebody preparing to go to the mission as a student, somebody who looks at the Lord Jesus Christ, and somebody who is already in practice? What lesson? We must learn this lesson for the chief physician. One, this chief physician had a big crowd. Why did he have a big crowd? Why do people follow you? People follow you because they assume you are going to answer their needs. As a health worker, you are going to have a big crowd, and sometimes you may not have all the answers. But you may be an advocate to allowing those needs to be met. But even as that huge crowd was there, there was a focus on individual. So we can answer the corporate needs, but we also need to answer the needs of the individual. How do we approach the answering as, as, a, as, as, a, as, as somebody called to the mission? It must be wholesome healing, and we must sort of pronounce when we encounter with you, we want to do our very best so that you may continue with peaceful living. We are going to address the issues of your hypertension. We are going to address the issues of your fracture. We are going to address the issues of your cough so that you'll have peaceful living. And those are the diligences I was talking about, that you must be diligent and you must be ready to go to the next step of the compassion so that that person can be able to have a peaceful living. When we are called by him, as you came to this conference, nobody coerced you. You actually paid for money to come. Why did you come? Because you possibly need to rub shoulders with one another to learn something that is related to serving the great master. We are called by him to represent him in the suffering world. And we have a major, major suffering within the health sector and within, the, within many, many areas of our country, but indeed because we are addressing the mission issues related to health. That's why I'm coming to that. There will be no other method of being able to reach the suffering people except you developing the attitude of compassion and the attitude of advocacy. You are advocating good health, but also you are moving on in compassion. Before I come to that, I would wish to recap and summarize. What have we had if you are called medical practice as a ministry? 
I started with preparation, that you must diligently prepare. And 19% in immunology does not tell you to quit. 39% in anatomy does not tell you to quit. It tells you to start knowing you have been called to be a collaborator with the master. And the collaborator in the master is not the one who is going to have it easy and uh, just run around the campus and you think you're going to get 92%. No, you'll have to struggle with the 19% and repeat again and read again and move on. Preparation, diligent preparation. Then we need in the practice to be able to listen, to be able to touch, be with the people, and to be able to develop an attitude of compassion. We cannot learn this from anybody else apart from our master. The one who saw the crowd and was an advocate of the crowd. The one who was touched by an individual and answered the need of the individual. And the one who could say, daughter, I have seen your suffering. Go well and go in peace. Get well and go in peace. We need to learn that. And as we learn that, we shall say, it is only when we understand that we are collaborators with the Lord that we shall be able to move on and be great servants of the Lord in the mission field. I hope to end there so that we have a few minutes for questions. May the Lord bless you and grant you grace for you to appreciate that you are collaborators with the Lord even as you go to the mission. Asante Sana. Thank you.